This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 435. Thanks to the Drury Hotel Company for sponsoring the podcast. You can get 15% off at any of their 150 locations around the United States. Just use the code RUN. They offer comfortable and clean rooms, great locations, and free food, both breakfast and dinner with your stay. Visit druryhotels.com MTA or use the code RUN when you book. Thanks also to our friends at MetPro Nutrition Coaching. These guys are metabolic geniuses. Talk to one of their experts about your situation, your goals, and get actionable steps and a plan for losing weight, building muscle, fueling for performance. Go to metpro.co slash MTA, metpro.co slash MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we inspire and empower you to run a marathon and change your life. In this episode, we speak with metabolism expert Angelo Poli about sticking to goals and the seven disruptive positive behaviors for improving your nutrition. And just a reminder that you can get all of our back podcast episodes, training plans, courses, and more as an Academy member. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Okay, good to be behind the microphone. Second episode in January. In the last 10 days or so, Angie, we've had a new American half marathon record. So let's talk about that real quick. That's right. In her half marathon debut, Wayne Kalati broke the American half marathon record in Houston running 106.25. She made a 14-second improvement on the previous record, which was held by Kira D'Amato. She was quoted as saying, I can't believe it. This is amazing. Honestly, when I was at the starting line, I didn't know what to expect. Halfway, I was like, this feels pretty good. We're under the pace. I can keep going. The last half mile was pretty windy. And I was like, I'm just going to finish this. But I'm glad I got the record. And she finished fourth overall in the half marathon race. So it sounds like a very fast race. And definitely looking forward to following her. I think more big things are ahead. And you never know what records are going to fall in a given year. Eliab Kipchoge is running Tokyo this year, so something exciting might happen there. And of course, the uh, fastest marathoner in the world, according to the official results, uh, Kelvin Kiptum, is going to try to break two hours at the Rotterdam Marathon this spring. He's using that as a training buildup to the Olympic Marathon. So of course, it's an Olympic year. It's going to be a lot of excitement around that. So yeah, a lot to look forward to this year. Um, for my mental health, it's a lot better to pay attention to running than it is to politics. <laughs> <laughs> Probably everyone's mental health. Not looking forward to the messiness of politics this year, but you can count on us to keep this show politics free because you get that everywhere else, right? <laughs> We're talking about running and equipping you to become a healthier version of yourself. Uh, like these folks are doing, quick shout out to people in our community before we jump into our interview. That's right. We'd like to say congratulations to Academy member Kaylin. She finished the Jekyll Island Half Marathon and was able to join the Half Fanatics Club. She's really had an amazing comeback from injury over the last year. So we're super proud of her. Definitely. And speaking of the Jekyll Island Half Marathon, Coach Antonio was there. He finished it running his second fastest half marathon with a time of 131.54. Speedy. 
And this comes from Joanna. She says, I just wanted to thank MTA coach Aaron for helping me through the Houston half marathon this weekend. I'm getting back to racing after a two year break and needed advice on how to run a half that I had not prepared well for. She gave me advice on how to do run walk intervals. And her best advice was to not compare myself to where I used to be. It helped a lot during the race. I completed 13.1 in honor of my father who passed away when I was supposed to run the Houston full marathon two years prior. Thank you, Coach Aaron, for helping me complete the race without injury and give honor to my dad. Wow. Love it. And we'd also like to say congratulations to Academy member Dipti. She finished her second Dopey Challenge. We've had her on the podcast. Definitely an inspiring story. And she just keeps challenging herself and accomplishing great things. And speaking of Disney World, Chris says, the Disney World Marathon was truly magical. This marathon was purely for fun with two roller coasters ridden and 14 character stops along the way. I finished feeling like I hadn't run a marathon at all. This was state 13 in my 50 state journey. Thank you to MTA coach Athena for coming up with a training plan that fit into my life. I was juggling a new job and still in my first year of motherhood. Her plan allowed me to stay consistent without feeling burnt out. Awesome. It's always fun to hear what people are up to. So keep taking action out there. It's worth it. We're going to jump into our conversation with our friend Angelo Poli. Angelo is a personal trainer, metabolism expert, and co-founder of MetPro. He's worked with over 20,000 people, helping them reach their body composition goals and dial in their nutrition. I think talking to him is like looking into the mind of a ninja. He's just a great communicator, depth of knowledge. The first half of this, he'll share tips on goal setting with an eye to making nutrition and exercise a priority and being able to follow through with those goals. And then in the second half, he's gonna talk about the seven positive disruptive behaviors that can bring about change. Little things that you can do to bring about change in your life from a nutritional standpoint. I had a fantastic experience working with my MetPro coach and they were really instrumental in helping me dial in my nutrition, which led me to get in great shape for my Hawaii marathon uh, back in 2020, which was my 50th state. Was able to run my marathon PR there, and then a couple months later set a half marathon PR. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Okay, we're on the podcast now with our friend Angelo Poli joining us from California. Angelo, welcome back to the MTA podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Always a highlight of the year. <laughs> What's been going on in your life the last year? Uh, family and uh, MetPro's been busy. Uh, we've been really diving into last year a lot of research projects, which has been very rewarding. It's a passion project for myself. And we're just thrilled to continue to be part of people's transformations. And Trevor, Angie, we, we love your community. Let me tell you, the MTA community, they come on board and they are passionate. They're dedicated. Some of our best transformations each month comes from the NPA group. So we love it. Nice. <laughs> we have to agree. They're pretty awesome people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I know it's kind of top of mind as we are just entering into 2024. Um, goal setting. It's on a lot of our minds. And I think one thing that a lot of us, you know, kind of struggle with or try to figure out is how to set the right health goals 
for your personal body. And then of course, follow through with them because it doesn't make sense just to do it for January and then fall off in February. That's it. Like a lot of the research shows yep. <laughs> that people do. Um, so the struggle is real. Um, maybe you can give us some advice for goal setting and really making it personal for people, how to figure that out. This is a great topic. And I really love diving into this because this kind of gets looked over. You know, oh, goal setting. Yeah, I want, you know, everybody has the same goals. So I lose a few pounds. I want more energy. I want to improve my marathon time. I want to get stronger. I want to have vitality to play with the kids. I want to improve my health. But just because, yes, we all have these goals, a lot of times failure to continue on, you know, your January goals comes back to the efficacy of your goal setting session. So I'd be happy to kind of deconstruct what it looks like when we really do a deep dive into goal setting because it might surprise you. One of the number one goals we help people identify right out of the gate, and this may seem obvious, but so few people do it, is we want whatever your health or weight loss, I'm using those two as kind of a package deal, health or weight loss goals, if that is your primary focus, the first thing a good coach will do is they're going to say, great. Now, what performance goals are we going to marry that to? Mm. You need to always have both. Um, one critical mistake we see people making is they'll call us up like, okay, we know that you know, you're the metabolism experts. I've been struggling with this last 10 or 12 pounds. What am I going to do? You have to remember, we always want a performance and exercise goal attached to it. Why don't people set those goals? Well, here's the big reason. If that's not in your current wheelhouse, if you're not an exerciser, you're not regularly training, it can seem overwhelming. And so what we tell people is we want them to pick goals that you can achieve in two to three weeks. And that's not a random number. You know why we say two to three weeks? Well, yeah, why is that? <laughs> well, it, that's when people fall off. If it's, you're always going to have these longer term goals. Oh, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to run my first marathon. You have to have that. But let's put that on the shelf and now break it up. What's the first two to three weeks look like? Because if it's just this big audacious goal, we can get lost in the failure to launch. So what we like to do is we pick the big audacious goal. We'll even have our clients go write it down. We'll put it on the board. But now what we want to talk about in the first week is where are we going to be 14 days from now? And let's work backwards to get there. Even if it's just moderate, simple things, the satisfaction in seeing yourself hit those simple goals along the way has a massive impact on motivation. So you're kind of saying that you have to have those big, inspiring goals, yes. you know, to focus on, but you also have to be able to achieve little goals that will accumulate along the way. Stacking up wins. So that's what I've, I've been coaching for 20 years. Nobody has a problem telling me the big goal. I've never had it. Well, I don't really know what I want to accomplish. No, you're, you're <laughs> listening at home. You know what you want to accomplish. The science and the art is what are all the small breadcrumb steps to get there? And that if you really break that down, what happens is you realize how important it is to have focus and be a specialist, not a generalist. 
I want to qualify that because most people who've heard me on podcasts before, they know how down I am on extreme anything. You don't want an extreme diet. You don't want a radical exercise program. I'm all about sustainability. Where I want you to be extreme, and I really grill this into my clients, I need you to be extreme with your time management, with your priority hierarchy. So when we sit down, we're going to determine about how many hours a week you have to invest into your wellness protocol, whatever your goals are. How many hours do you have to invest in that? We should be able to justify why every hour is contributing to your stated goals. Because a lot of times what people have is they have this big goal. Maybe they even have the time to accomplish it. But because their strategy has an identity crisis, they don't really move the dial. We see that a lot at MetPro with people calling us up and they have great exercise routine, great nutrition strategies. They're just not cohesive enough to really move the dial. So part of your goal setting should be about creating specificity and focus. And what's interesting is if you walk through that path, and I'll throw down the gauntlet for the listeners, I challenge you, write out what your weekly exercise and nutrition investment strategy is and try to justify, is each hour of your week invested contributing towards that goal? What usually surfaces is that nutrition does not receive the priority that it actually deserves. Because most people end up recognizing that their diet is the number one influence on what's going to happen in the next two to three weeks. But when they look at their strategy, diet is so often the afterthought. Mm. And so this kind of helps direct people to where are my biggest levers. So time management experts talk about doing a time audit to see where your hours are going. Mm It's kind of scary to think uh, I'm doing that <laughs> for me. So do you encourage people to do a food audit in a similar way you know, yes. for a week or so? Kind of see what are they eating? Where are the calories at? What kind of calories they're getting? So years ago, we were developing – we actually have a binder at MetPro of – you know, here are the absolute most important things that have to be covered off on, on, you know, sessions one, two, three are not scripted, but there are critically important. People don't want to waste time. They want to get results right out of the gate. And so we have all these bullets off to the side of there's one question that's a leading question. We'll always ask clients on their second session. And it's what day of the week or what time of the day do you have allocated to prepare food? Hmm. We always say that because, you know, a lot of people, they just don't even think of that. Mm -hmm. If that's not there, it's a full stop until we get that into your routine. And it doesn't have to be some demanding, laborious, time-consuming. We're talking 15 minutes, a couple times a week to prepare snacks. Once it's there, oh my goodness, it just, the ceiling raises on your potential. Or even time to go grocery shopping or have your grocery delivery scheduled in because yeah. that takes time and that can be one of those things you just push down the road and, you know, it's easy to get door dashed if you don't have good food in the house. <laughs> yep. That's it. No, that's it. I, I have to laugh because I've had clients that have, they've debated with me because I've told them, I'm looking at your routine the last 48 hours that I see you didn't get your meals and here was your stated reason. You got busy. 
but you exercised all three days. So this week, no exercise until you have either your food, your meals lined up, your meal delivery lined up, or your snacks prepped. And they're like, well, isn't exercise important? It is, but you know what? You'll still exercise. <laughs> I'm just confident that you'll get your meals prepped first because it's so critical, especially yes. if you're trying to take your performance to the next level or if you have a weight loss goal absolutely critical. And they've seen the payoff factor of exercising regularly, the energy, but maybe they haven't seen the nutrition piece and how that pays off over time. And so having them prioritize nutrition first will hopefully help develop that habit. So at MetPro, we're all about data analytics. Here's a fun fact. Clients that regularly exercise are more than 35% more adherent to their meal plans. Now, why would that be? It, it all comes back to having some consistent framework. And that's the, the number one thing with goal setting, with working with a new client that wants to actually move the dial. You have to have some consistent framework. And a lot of people are raising their hand and just say, I don't have time for that. You have time for something. Maybe you don't have time to have every minute of your day structured. That's not realistic, but you have time to do a few things. Uh, there's three more pieces that we'll touch on really briefly. We have to discuss lifestyle. Everyone's schedule is different. It would not be practical to assume that just because now you're focusing on your health and wellness, that all of a sudden your lifestyle is going to change. It probably is not. What you need is a program for nutrition, for exercise that will integrate into your lifestyle, trying to squeeze your lifestyle into that program. I see a lot of people try and that's why they fall off the bandwagon come February 1st. So be realistic. If you travel a lot, that's fine. Let's build strategies that acknowledge and honor the realities of that lifestyle. If you have a particular work schedule, if you have a particular training schedule, how are we going to borrow from some of that time and optimize within your schedule? So lifestyle is a big piece. And so that comes back to that whole conversation. I, I'm sure at some point we've chatted about it before, um, strategic versus metabolic. So while this is more of a coach thing, um, anyone can apply the principles here. And it's simply this identify what is stopping you from seeing progress. Is it your metabolism? Is it something physical? Is it something with your biology, your chemistry, your training routine, your nutrition and how your body responds? Or does your body respond just fine? The challenge is like 99% of the population and that is, we struggle with consistency or failure to follow through with a protocol. Both exist. While the vast majority find that their body will respond if they simply follow through, at MetPro, we do deal with an outsized portion of the population who are doing all the right things. They just really have those broken, troubled metabolisms that have to be rehabbed. The reason it is important to identify that is because the approach will be different. Um, but suffice to say, if you identify that consistency is the gap between you and your results, all these things that we just talked about 
they'll hugely help. And if you are consistent, but your metabolism is wonky, well, that's where absolutely you're going to see the benefit of, of talking and working with an expert that can help you detail out those nuances. And then the last piece that we discuss in a strategy session is you have to get in your nutritional history. You have to know where you're starting from. If you type into Google, how do I improve my marathon times? How do I build lean muscle? you are going to get no less than 100,000 different responses. And here's the trick. All of them, all of those strategies work, but they don't all work for you. And the reason is because none of those experts know your starting point. What you have to do to achieve your goal is going to be different depending on what your body is currently used to. And if you remember only one thing from this podcast, here it is. Change. Transforming your body or performance is not a mathematical equation of, well, if I eat this food or if I run this marathon or if I have this many calories, I'm going to magically perform that way. It doesn't work like that. Change is the delta, the difference between what your body is used to today and what you then change it to. A simple way to illustrate that is you can have three different people all trying to lose weight. They go on the same diet, 1,500 calories, pulling numbers out of a hat here. One loses weight, one gains weight, and one stays the same weight. How is that possible? Well, here's how it's possible. The one that lost weight was used to eating more before starting the routine. The one that gained weight was used to eating less before they started that. And the one that stayed the same weight was used to eating about 1,500 calories. So there's no sense in trying to optimize a program without first knowing where you're starting from. Now, the coaches at MetPro, of course, go through a baseline testing process. I know we've talked about that in episodes past, but you can do this at home simply. Just keep a food journal and then tally up. Okay, how many calories? The, you know, there's so many apps and things out there. How many calories am I eating a day on average? How many grams of carbs am I eating a day on average? And how many hours a week am I exercising, expending calories? There's your baseline. And if you're staying roughly the same weight, your metabolism is in maintenance at that intake with that activity level. So you at least, whether it's good news or bad news, you at least have an accurate jumping off spot. Um, and those are the key elements that we find really help empower someone to set goals in a manner that they'll be able to start reaching them and stay consistent throughout the year. Right on. Hopefully that helps the audience a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've been making the rounds on a lot of podcasts. I've been seeing you everywhere. I, I, <laughs> I have. I've been on a few. We've, you know, it's on people's mind. And there's so much nonsense out there. <laughs> you know, uh, you have to cut through that where it's like there's this one secret that only the celebrities and these experts know that no one else has figured out. No, that, that's not true. Um, there are few things that have been as well researched as diet, nutrition, exercise. We know the levers. It's the implementation that there is a ton of room for optimization. I remember reading this, uh, this fitness book and there was a chapter where he was going to talk about this piece of exercise equipment that will totally change your physique. And he built it up, hyped it up. 
And it was kind of like he really buried the lead like deep into the chapter. You didn't even know what it was. He just talked uh-huh. about how great it was and how overlooked it was. And everyone needed to have it on and on. And then finally, it was a jump rope. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, they really package that well. <laughs> That's it. You know, it's funny because people would always ask me uh, the most common exercise that people would want to know is what's the best ab exercise to to get a six pack, you know, or to, to improve your abs. And it's so funny because everyone says, no, this way of doing abs is the best. No, that way. Here's the truth. The one you're not used to is the best. Hmm. You go and do a new ab exercise and it's like, it's wrecked you because it's, it's new challenge to your body you know, so it, there's so much of a racket out there, but here's the reality. We know our levers. Okay, so Angelo, in addition to making the rounds on a lot of podcasts recently, you've also been working on a research project that you kind of teased at the beginning here. So let's get into that. What is this research project? Uh, I can picture you in your laboratory, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mad scientist. Um, What keeps me in the game is we are always finding ways to improve and ways that we do things or teach things evolves each year. So as we get more data and analytics from our clients, we've been going for quite some time. We have a lot of data analytics now. Um, What we do is we'll periodically compare our findings against what's the latest body of research. So we identified 45 different peer review clinical research papers and meta-analysis. Meta-analysis is when they take hundreds of research papers and they basically aggregate the data. I'll give you an example of that. They aggregated, this was thousands of research papers um, to identify what were the common attributes of clinically defined clinically successful weight loss, which is weight loss sustained of about 5% or greater body weight, which is modest, but that's how they would define successful. And with thousands and thousands of studies, what they found was 88% of successful protocols included exercise. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Imagine that. I could have told him that. Yeah, right? (laughs) I could have saved him a lot of work. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Now, here's an interesting thing, though. The research is indicating that exercise is misunderstood in relation to metabolism and weight loss in particular. So what we used to say before this meta-analysis, what we used to say was we have four basic levers, you know, and while that is still technically true, the way we'll teach now, the way I teach my clients is you have two levers for body composition or weight loss and two levers for metabolic revving to offset metabolic drift from restriction. So the two levers are calorie restriction and carbohydrate restriction. And it's interesting what the research has indicated about the two. You know, a lot of people think, unless you've actually read the studies, oh, we have so many participants, you know, males or females, this BMI eating this many calories, and here's how it was monitored. People assume, yeah, all the research is just conclusive. No, it's not. You have to look at multiple research studies and look very closely at how the research was conducted, how the oversight of those studies, because you can have two similar studies that both suggest two very different things in the outcomes. But here's what we can take away. Calorie restriction, 
remains the gold standard go-to as far as predictability and consistency. If somebody eats less, they will predictably lose weight. If they eat less, predictably, now here's the downside, their metabolic rate will slow. And that's a process called adaptive thermogenesis or metabolic drift or metabolic adaption. They're all fancy words for your body gets used to you eating less and makes life very miserable. That's what happens. <laughs> okay? So we all can relate to that. With carbohydrate restriction, the research is roughly divided down the middle. So it's less predictable. What we can say conclusively, it is not as predictable. You put 10 people on carb restriction and you may get varying results. So it's more individual and toleration uh, thresholds. This is what we have found at MetPro is a little less predictable. Whereas I can within rough approximation say when somebody is going to decrease calories and about what caloric intake they're going to start running into performance issues or energy issues. And I may be off by a couple hundred calories, but usually I can predict that pretty well. With carbohydrate restriction, individuals respond differently. The research is divided. About half the research says it's about roughly equal to calorie restriction, whereas there is a body of evidence that suggests you can lose more weight a little bit faster with carbohydrate restriction. The debate is around what type of weight you're losing because some water loss occurs with carbohydrate restriction. All that to say, it absolutely is a scientifically proven method for weight loss. So those are your two grandfather techniques to control body composition or weight. And by the way, if your goal is weight gain, muscle development, increased performance, the same two levers, just in reverse. You got to go up systematically, gradually. The problem is even with carbohydrate restriction, the same metabolic adaption takes place. With carbohydrate restriction, you also get carb sensitivity, which is a whole, we could do a podcast just on that. So that's coming if you're uh, aggressively implementing carb restriction. So those are your two grandfather levers. When you listen to an advertisement or you see a YouTube video, someone saying that, you know, finally years of research, we finally unlocked the key to weight loss and it's something nobody's ever done. <laughs> they are restricting calories or restricting carbs. And if they say they're not, they're doing it without realizing it. Those right. are one of the two ways. Now, mm -hmm. you're thinking, well, wait a second. What about exercise? We used to teach at MetPro that exercise is your third lever for fat loss. And it is. We'll say there's 2.5 levers. But what the recent studies are indicating is that the role of exercise and body composition is less about the actual energy burned during exercise, but more about the increase to your base metabolic rate and the small delta that the exercise creates allows someone to lose weight without having to decrease their intake quite so far. Why does that matter? Because somebody say, well, I'm not that hungry. I have no problem. You know, I'll just, I'd rather just eat one less apple a day and, you know, not exercise for 45 minutes. <laughs> Why not do it that way? Well, now we can answer that scientifically.
The reason is if you eat the less food in the short run for a couple weeks, yeah, you may lose just the same amount of weight. But in the long run, your body sees that as an assault and your base metabolic rate will drop lower than if you ate a little bit more food and included more exercise. So what the research is showing is that exercise is critical in weight maintenance and long-term sustainability of any weight loss. And also in longevity, which is a whole nother topic, you know, keeping your, your health span equivalent to your lifespan, like exercise is hugely important in that. So <laughs> amen to that. Absolutely. <laughs> And so when we compare this against what we're finding at MetPro, somebody that starts so, – so here's what we find statistically. And this is thousands of clients we've, uh, we've evaluated. And we're not cherry picking because I don't learn from that. So we have basically said, okay, clients who have participated with at least a threshold of consistency for at least one year, what does the data analytics say on exercise timing, on frequency, on carbohydrate intake, on calorie, on meal frequency, on all of these different metrics? And here's some of the things we've learned. Individuals that are exercising three or more times a week lose 34% more weight. It's across the board across the board. That's a hard, fast rule, and that is absolutely consistent with what all of these other peer-reviewed research papers are indicating. What we're finding, however, is it's not that when somebody exercises, they lose weight faster. They do a little bit, but marginally. What we're finding is that they lose weight longer. So as an example, if I just manipulate somebody's diet, okay, here's a meal plan. We've tailored it to your current intake, we've built in just enough of a deficit to trigger some fat loss. Here's what happens. Three pounds weight loss the first week, two pounds weight loss the second week, one pound weight loss the third week, plateau. Okay, maybe it's not exactly like that, but that's very typical to what we would see, which is why it can't just be, oh, here's your meal plan. Great. Nice knowing you. Call me in a year. Let me know how it goes. No, <laughs> you're going to get two and a half weeks out of any given meal plan. That's why when we, we have over 650 meal plans in our CRM that we've developed over the years, not because we can't figure out what the right meal plan is, but because everyone's body acclimates. So all meal plans have to have progressions. What's the next step and next step. So when we take someone and we identify, okay, here they hit that plateau. Now we add exercise in. Here's what we would see. The first week they lose, instead of three pounds, 3.2 pounds. Like, well, for two more ounces, it's not worth it. I could have stayed in bed. <laughs> but wait, the second week they lose two pounds. But then the third week they lose two. The fourth week they lose two. Now the fifth week they lose one. The sixth week they lose one. The seventh week they lose one. Maybe they'll make it eight weeks before now we have to decrease their intake again to keep that same weight loss pace. So what happens is fast forward two to three months, I've had to make half as many cuts to their diet. Why is that critical? Because lots of people are like, no, put me in coach. I could practically just eat toothpicks and ice cubes for three weeks if I'll lose weight. It's not that simple. Even if you can white knuckle it, it's not that simple. Your metabolism is going to make you pay. That's why weight loss is not a thing. Weight loss is easy. We figured that out. Eat less. You lose weight. Mystery solved. The problem <laughs> is your metabolism slows when you decrease. And I want to clarify something because this is misleading. 
The research suggests, even professionals suggest, that your metabolism slows when you lose weight. We have not found that to be the case at MetPro. Take this for what it's worth. What we have found to be the case with the thousands of clients we have worked with is your metabolism slows when you restrict. It's in relation to restriction, not simply your body weight. And that's why prolonged restriction has to be avoided at all costs. Otherwise, you'll enjoy you know, your fitness goals for a short period of time and then it bounces back. So two levers, intake, calorie control, carbohydrate control for pushing body composition in the direction you want, and then two levers for pushing your metabolism back up. That's exercise and nutritional periodization or nutritional cycling. In other words, scheduled, not random, but scheduled periods of focusing on performance where we actually purposefully increase your intake so your metabolism can come out of that starvation mode. That's how we get those long-term results. And for runners, it works perfect because you always have another race or event or a big training day coming up. So we time it where we're focusing on those metabolic revving periods, which double as performance nutrition periods with when you're hitting those races and scheduling for that. And then shortly after a race, if you have some downtime, some recovery time, that's when for clients who are looking for more fat loss, now we can use our levers and do more of a cutting cycle. This is the process and it's not quick and easy, but it is doable with the right science. And nothing motivates people more than seeing progress. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed this conversation thus far. Quick break to thank AG1. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but at least it can be simple. And that's why for the last, I don't know, six years, we've been drinking AG1 every day. And just one scoop mixed with water once a day. It's an easy, healthy habit, makes you feel great. And each serving will deliver a daily dose of vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and more. That's right. You know that we love it. We recommend it to everyone. And we actually heard from a listener named Tony, who has been on the podcast before. He sent me this Facebook message. He said, after hearing you guys talk about AG1 in the podcast, I started trying it seven months ago. I love the stuff and haven't been sick once since June. And my family has been through multiple bouts of colds, flus, and other viruses. So thanks for the recommendation. Glad to hear that. So if you want to give it a try, you can actually get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com MTA, drinkag1.com MTA. So what are some like disruptive behaviors? Because you lay it out really clearly, but obviously there are, you know, hitches along the way that people get frustrated and they suddenly can't see the long game. They're just seeing, I'm not making progress right now and I'm frustrated and stuck. I just want to say, I'm shocked, Angie, you didn't look over at me when you said disruptive, <laughs> <laughs> disruptive behaviors. So you should just blow your nose while we're doing disruptive behaviors. I should. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm going to blow it while you're talking. <laughs> I've had a head cold for like since August. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. It is going around. It is going around. Half my clients right now dealt with it in the last few weeks. But yep. So the number one issue that people deal with, it comes back to what we we're talking about, framework, routine. And, I'll, and I actually have an illustration 
that I, I give to my clients usually in the first couple of weeks of working together. And I said, I have two clients, client A, they're both losing weight, but client A, you know, prepared their meals. They've had a routine, but on the way home from work, uh, they stopped at grandma's house and she had, you know, peach cobbler and they ate a bunch of peach cobbler. And your stories are always so whimsical, you know, <laughs> like homemade <laughs> apple pie, and homemade apple pie. Grandma's. <laughs> <laughs> Recall in the good old days. <laughs> good old days. So that client calls me the next day and like, Angelo, I you know, I had my meals with me and prep, but you know, grandma made this fresh cobbler pie and it smelled so good and I ate it and I didn't lose any weight. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put that person on the shelf for a second. Client B. Client B calls me and says, Angelo, I did great, I'm down five pounds in the last forty eight hours. Like, well, what'd you do? It's like, well, I, I made sure I didn't put a thing in my mouth that wasn't healthy for him. I'm like, okay, did you have your meals? Why? Well, I, I was busy, but I stopped at the grocery store and I picked this up. Um, and when I went out to dinner, I got this and I'm like, Bob, did you have your snacks prep? Did you get the lunch we talked about in advance? No, but I didn't eat anything. So let me tell you, Bob is not going to succeed. I will take Peach Cobbler Annie any day of the week over Bob because until we have a foundation, there's no justification to expect forward moving progress. You're going to sustain keeping the balls juggling in the air for a few days, few weeks at best. It is not about what you deprive yourself of. I have to just really drill this into people. It's about what you train yourself to eat consistently. It's not a diet. And I know this is cliche. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. But it's not simply a lifestyle based on loose values floating out in the ether. It has to be actionable things where you can explain to me what you are doing to achieve those objectives. And 99.9% .9 of the time, it comes down to preparation. Simple things, simple things, and you'll get a huge return on your investment. So those are the challenges that most people have. Um, but there are also hacks and disruptive behaviors in a good way that actually really help combat those loss of routines. So he here's a few, here's a few. Um, day one with our clients, we actually have them prepare a go bag. And you have a go bag with all your, you know, credit cards and cash in case of a fire, you know, your, your marriage certificate. And well, we have a, a nutrition go bag. And the reason we do this is because every time, I mean, we actually ran this analytics in our CRM once to see, you know, when somebody came back and they didn't follow the meal plan, why? Okay. So grandma was on the list. Friends were on the list. Chocolate was definitely on the list. <laughs> All three list. combined were less than 5%. Do you want to know what 95%? Busy. Yeah. I got busy. So if you think that following your meal plan is about willpower and food preferences, I have 20,000 clients data that say different. It's about time management. So mm. I know that you are going to get busy because every client I've ever worked with gets busy and that's when the strategy goes sideways. 
So if you have a go bag that has some snacks, low perishable snacks that don't have to be refrigerated, that are simple, they're already prepared. So when something unexpected comes up, yes, maybe your perfect strategy goes out the window, but you just grab that go bag. What it does is it cuts down, I'm trying to be realistic here, it cuts down about 50% of the indiscretions, about 50% of this. Still, it's not going to be perfect, but what it does is it blunts the negative impact the realities of life and, and kids and work and responsibilities have on our schedule. So you can do one thing, prepare a go bag. <laughs> well, I could say that you guys have made a, a lot of difference in our lives and in big ways and in small ways. One small thing we do differently now is every car has like beef jerky in it. <laughs> nice. Like some almonds, like, you know, a low sugar protein bar, things like there that. There you that go. Are- <laughs> Yep. It does. It makes a difference because when, when you get busy and the scenario faces us and it hits us when we're least expecting it where, you know, the boss is calling, we have a deadline on this, we have to drop off Johnny, we have to return this email and all of a sudden it's two o'clock, you haven't got lunch, your blood sugar is dropping, your body says you're going to eat something now. So you have two options. You can go to the grocery store, spend $40 buying ingredients, go home and start chopping vegetables and grilling meat and make a, you know, a chicken salad. Or you can walk next door and get like three cheeseburgers. Which one ends up happening? (laughs) In our case, it's like $400 at the grocery store. (laughs) Three teenage boys. (laughs) Where do they put it? I know. I know. So true. So true. Okay. Second disruptive behavior. People will often ask me, um, Angela, will you work with me or our our coaches, will you work with me? So at MetPro, we're not like this, you know, call center with hundreds and thousands of coaches spread out throughout the, no, no. We actually have rosters and limited space and this is ones we take on and we try to take people on that we are confident we can have an impact in their lives. So I ask one question to determine whether or not this is a client that that I'm going to work with. And it's this. Are you willing to let me control what you eat most days, not every day, but most days between 11 and 3.30? That's it. Between mm-hmm. 11 and 3.30. So here's why. Because that's when we get busiest. I have never had in 20 years, 22 years now doing this, I have had a single client where we just couldn't get our our head wrapped around breakfasts. Just couldn't do it. No. (laughs) Breakfasts are dialed. I haven't had a single client not have challenges with dinner. I know you're going to have challenges with dinner. We're going to work together through that. But you know what? Any challenges you have at dinner are going to be largely offset by the fact that your breakfast is dialed and your midday meals We've had a strategy around them. They've been prepared in advance. We have a protocol. We have a routine. We have a game plan and you're executing it. Not perfectly, but most of the time I can work with that. And if somebody says, no, I just need to fly by the seat of my pants and can never plan anything I'm doing between 11 and 3.30, you probably don't want the results you're talking about. (laughs) Right. I can attest to that because our 19-year-old son has a full-time job and he's into bodybuilding right now. And 
he's had results because he, you know, 730 in the morning, he's downstairs packing his lunch and his snack in the little glass containers that we have. And, you know, nice. he takes like this big bag of food with him when he leaves for the day and his coworkers kind of tease him, but he's like, honestly, you know, they're not very healthy and they don't really have the kind of life that I want to have. So this is what I'm doing to make sure that I'm meeting my goals. That's it. <laughs> and, and I, and I want to call cause you brought something up when, when we talk about food prepping, which is honestly, that that's, 50% of our first two to three conversations and sessions with our clients and we, that will continue to be until they master it because it is that important. But part of the issue is breaking down stigmas because your 19 year old son is in the bodybuilding. Here's the reality. We're, we're fitness. We work with Olympic athletes, NFL athletes. Do you know how often we get bodybuilders that reach out to us? It's not that often. I mean, we have. I did that in the old days. I trained lots of bodybuilders, but 98% of our clients have no interest in bodybuilding, but they imagine, oh, food prep, I'm going to have a stack of six different glass jars and I'm going to be carrying that in the door to work and everything. No, 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 no. What we want to do is we want to come up with some time-saving strategies that are going to make things really easy. It's not going to be some big socially awkward thing. It's not going to be two hours of cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> it's going to be simple and easy, but it has to happen. It has to happen. Otherwise, you don't even start first step in the right direction. And so that leads to my second disruptive behavior. If you want to disrupt in a positive way, eat snacks, but not for the reasons you'd think. So you've been re reading the research and there's, you know, again, research and uh, guru's opinions. You can find an opinion that'll match everything. And so for years it was, no, you got to eat small meals frequently and snacks and snacks. And then it's like, no, only eat when you're hungry. Don't snack if you're not hungry. And you know, and there's these warring opinions. Well, if you work with me, you're going to snack and it has nothing to do with any of those reasons. The reason you're going to snack, <laughs> you're going to laugh. Here's the reason you're going to snack if I'm coaching you. You're going to snack because we don't eat snacks socially. Mm. Let, me, let me break that down for you. Now, what happens? Work lunches, family dinners. These are unavoidable things that you are going to be doing. It's life. Now, when's the last time you called up Aunt Edma and your next door neighbor and said, hey, I'm having a rice cake and some applesauce. Meet me at the water cooler. Let's do it. <laughs> Snacks are meals that you have no social obligations. You have no pressure. You have nobody trying to throw your groove off. And so what that means is if I have you snack, at least I can control a majority of the fuel going into your body because I know I can't control it all. So at least if I can't control those social occasions, I know that, hey, mid-morning snack, mid-afternoon snack, I was able to control the type of carbs you got, how much protein you got, and it's never a thing. I've never had someone say to me, Angela, I just can't do it. I can't eat 12 almonds and an apple at 2.30. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's easy. You can do it. You can do it. It's not that hard. It's just people. We don't think about these things. You know, you're thinking about your life, your family, your career, things that are important to you. As nerds here at MetPro, we're trying to figure out now, how do I get Johnny to do this? And you would die if you were a fly on the wall for some of our conversations. <laughs> you know, there's these challenges and you have to find new ways to make things simple. And best intentions just get upended by life. So our strategy is all about how do we make this simple for our clients? So snacks are critical because you can control them. I have seven. And so here's the fourth one. And this one we already talked about. So I'll just restate it. Be a specialist, not a generalist. Um, again, I don't like extreme exercise. I don't like extreme diets, but I like extreme focus on how you invest your time into your program. I'll get calls from these type A personalities, executives. Here's what I want. I want to run a sub six minute mile. I want to bench 300 pounds. I want to lose 20 pounds of body fat. Can you get me to do them? Yes, I can. This is what I do. Now, <laughs> which one do you want to do first? Because if you try and do all those things at the same time, you will accomplish none of them. And it doesn't mean you have to pick or choose. You check one box, sustain it, and move on to the next goal and the next goal. But you have to focus on one or two things at a time, not 10 things. So be a specialist, not a generalist. Uh, number five, exercise early. If you can't exercise early, anchor. So here's what that means. Statistically, and I forget the, and there was research that came out on this. I, I, I forget the exact percentage, but every hour that goes by in the day past when you wake up, your statistical odds of exercising decreased by some sort of magnitude, like you know, 2%, 3% an hour. By the time you get to seven o'clock at night, it's like no chance you're exercising. Um, I'm a walking statistic for that. <laughs> Me too, Trevor. You're not alone. <laughs> the struggle's real, man. I'm, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it, it is every hour that goes by, that's just that much more opportunity for something to pop up that is frankly more important, right? Reef your energy to plummet, you know? <laughs> for your energy yeah. to plummet, right? Yeah, exactly. That's it. But he, here's the reality. Not everyone has the circumstance where they can wake up and exercise first thing in the morning. So that does not mean that you're doomed. We have found that when we go through our clients uh, with them together, their schedule, when we can anchor exercise to non-moving items in their schedule. In other words, well, I pick up Johnny from school at 2.30 every day. Perfect. Can we exercise right before, right after that? tends to be more secure because it's anchored to something that's not going to fluctuate. Uh, I come home from work every day at five o'clock and I drive by the gym. Perfect hit the gym will much more likely to be if I say when are you exercising like I'm planning on working out at some point tomorrow <laughs> that means you have a 22% chance of working out tomorrow right. like, I plan on working out after work tomorrow I have a 35% chance of exercising. I plan on working out uh, sometime between five and eight, so a 40% chance. I'm working out tomorrow on my lunch break at 1230 at this location. That client's going to actually work out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So exercise early or anchor. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, number six, 
it's another comical one, but we get asked this all the time. Um, number six is eat first, eat twice. And so here's what this is in relation to. Uh, Angelo, uh, my family's doing a pizza party tonight. It's my, you know, sixth graders graduation and we're going to, you know, do this one thing and I know I'm going to cheat, but I'll keep it reasonable. So what I did was I skipped lunch today since I knew I was going to <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> we plead with our clients. No, that is the worst thing you could do. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you know you're going to have something like that, I'd rather you eat more before because statistically, food substitution impacts total intake radically more than portion control. Though portion control is relevant also. And here's how that's implemented. Your increased appetite when you get there from skipping a meal earlier will result in maybe only a 50% increase in food volume consumed of the wrong foods, which will result in a 500% increase in calories, carbohydrates, junk consumed for the day, for the week. It would be way better for you to still have your lunch, still have your snack and eat a light dinner before you go to pizza. And then you can arrive not starving. And you'll actually just eat the one or two pieces you suggested you were going to eat. (laughs) And that is a very calculable, managed cheat that is not going to be the end of the world. So I'd rather you eat first, even eat twice versus starve yourself because you know you're going to eat wrong. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's very practical. Because a lot of times I've done it the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Like Christmas dinner, I'm not going to eat anything up until then, you know, and then it's like, yeah. uh... (laughs) What some of our coaches will do with their clients, they'll never say skip a meal. What we may do is we may move around carbohydrates. So we're going to make this meal higher in protein, um, higher even in healthy fats. We're going to decrease the carbs at this earlier meal for this one day and allow you to have some more carbs. And no, it's not an equivalent trade, but it'll offset those type of things. There is some science in, but the skipping, no bueno. Don't do it. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Last but not least, and we did touch on this earlier as well. I always tell my clients to uh, meal prep before working out. And and sometimes we have to have the, you know, let's have the get real conversation. Some clients come to me with a strong exercise routine. They love their exercise, but the fact of the matter is they're still working with me because they are not where they want to be with their health or with their performance or with their weight. And because of that, we something has to change. So are you hiring me to just design you some exercise routines? Are you hiring me just to build you a custom meal plan? Or are you hiring me to get you results? If it is the latter, then I am going to insist that we reallocate that time and your meals, the meals we have determined we're going to prep in advance, are prepped before you exercise. Because I know that once that routine sockets in place, you will be exercising again. But I try to drill into my client's head, how many calories did you burn going to the gym today? 
Okay, because here's how much time you spent. You had to get ready for the gym. You had to drive to the gym. You exercised at the gym. You showered after. You had to drive home. You had to change. So you burned up two hours in one gym session. You burned 275 calories. Those two hours, meals could have been prepped for your entire week. How much of an impact would that have on your weight? It's not that exercise isn't as important. All the research says exercise is vital. It is your fountain of youth. It is what is going to keep you healthy, well, young, strong, and allow you to sustain any progress you make. But most people confuse the impacts and they undermine the importance of having the right nutrition and having that nutrition to some degree prepared in advance. So that's what we work with our clients on. And <laughs> we let me tell you, Wednesdays is a good day. Wednesdays at MetPro is a day. All the coaches share their wins from the week. And it's just it's high fives. It's a lot of fun. And nice. I still have the best job in the world. And I love <laughs> You know, I love getting to talk to you guys and share all this stuff. So, Well, your enthusiasm you comes through and you've offered so much helpful content, you know, both very practical things people can do and a great look at the recent research. So we really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And if anyone listening wants to talk to one of those amazing MetPro coaches, just go to metpro.co slash MTA. Tell them that we sent you and you never know, they might like you even more. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will like you even more. <laughs> Angelo, thanks again for speaking with us. Here's to a great 2024. Keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> thanks, guys. Right. Good stuff. So those seven disruptive behaviors, I'll just list them off here. His numbering got a little off. But anyway, he did list off seven. Here they are. Number one, prepare a go bag, nutritional go bag. Number two, control what you eat between 11 and 3.30. Number three, eat snacks strategically. Number four, be a specialist, not a generalist when it comes to especially fitness goals. Number five, exercise early in the day or anchor it to something you already do every day. Number six, eat first and eat twice. Number seven is to meal prep before working out. We really appreciate Angelo coming on and talking with us. I think his passion for nutrition and for helping people really comes through. And that really came through when I worked with coaches at MetPro. They've definitely changed our lives for the better. And we think they can help you too. So to talk with one of their coaches, see if it's a good fit for you, you can just go over to metpro.co slash MTA. And if you decide to work with a coach, you can get $500 off their concierge coaching. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for being a listener. You guys are awesome. Keep taking action in your health and life. It will pay off. And remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Well on my way, well on my way.